From serving locally to serving around the world, one person's story of living missionally is coming up next on this episode of Here at Home. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Bricker, your host for the Here at Home podcast. And joining me on today's episode is Mr. John Ruff. Welcome, John. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good. Is this your first time being on a podcast? Uh, yes. Yeah. Usually it is. There are a few people that have been on one before, but usually most people, they answer, yes, this is their first one. But you listen to podcasts every once in a while, don't you? All the time, All related the time. to business and, yeah. and McGregor's podcast. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. You're a podcast consumer. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's get started, uh, as we always do with folks on here, to give them a chance to kind of tell us a little bit about them, their family, where they were born. Where were you born? Uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Isn't that where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is? Yes. Yeah. 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 All the yeah. people that have led us astray. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those wonderful Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Did you grow up there? I mean, was that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Grew yeah. up. Born, born in a hospital there. Yeah. My family, they're all there. All there. Well, a lot of people have moved away now, but I was around cousins and everything, you know. What, uh, what got you out of Cleveland? Well, uh, I had never been outside of my little community. And I went to DeVry Institute of Technology in Chicago. And I lived and worked. I worked full-time. I went to school full-time. And um, I had never experienced a big city. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland was a big city, but it wasn't like Chicago. Not Chicago, right. And where we grew up, cutting through an alley was always a shortcut. <laughs> Or sitting in the back of the bus, it's really a bad idea in a big in a big city. Mm, things change drastically. It's really weird, you know. Little John went to the big city. I, I went to the big city. Yeah. I mean, I figured it out, but yeah, you know. a little culture shock there. Tell us about your your family, your wife. Uh, um, I grew up in a Christian family. My mom's side were multi generational Christians. And my, oh, wow. dad, my dad's side of the family, his father got saved, I think, when my father was maybe seven or eight years old. Okay. And I remember uh, my family was in the sign business. My dad worked with his father. My, my brothers are in it now. You know, it's like third gen. I'm the only one that wasn't involved with that. But um, I remember my dad saying, my, his father, my grandfather, was a pretty tough guy. And... Uh, I remember my father talking about the change in his life mm. that he noticed as a 11 year or however old he was. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. And um, so we grew up in that environment and uh, went to church, you know, the, the whole thing. And, uh, but I really didn't, it, it, to me, it, they had a lot of rules. Okay. And their rules were actually right. <laughs> But it seemed like a path for no fun. Mm -hmm. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. And so I, I didn't, I didn't get saved until I was 27 years old. But to back up a little bit, um, I met my wife, and uh, my uncle ran the biggest catering company in Cleveland. And there was a connection. They had a bunch of my wife is Greek, and they had a bunch of kids from the Greek church working there, and that's how I met my wife. Mm. And um, my wife was Greek Orthodox, 
And when I told my mother I was going to get married, she cried for 24 hours. <laughs> because <laughs> Not tears of joy. Um, I, I, you know, she wasn't mad, but um, it was so different. Different what she was, had expected. Yeah, right? yeah. And, but then after 24 hours, my mom and dad said, look, we're just going to love this girl. Yeah. We're going to take this. And she literally spent more time at my parents' house. When we got married, I was halfway through an enlistment in the Navy. Hmm. And uh, she literally spent more time there than at her parents' house. She won him over. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure who won who, you know. <laughs> but it was awesome. You know, they, they came around her, you know. And, uh, you know, it, it was, my, I love my in-laws, okay. Uh, my mother-in-law loved my, people talk about their mother-in-law, I hate my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was awesome. Hmm. And um, yeah. so it just, it, it worked out. And my father-in-law, my mother-in-law got, mother got saved very early um, in when our marriage took place. But the, her family, they came from a male-centric kind of family where the guys called all the shots, you know. And, and uh, so my father-in-law was a tough guy. He was a great guy. I learned a lot of stuff from him. He got saved when he was 95. Wow. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was great. Where were you when you got married? How old? No, where were you? Oh, in Ohio. In Ohio. I got married at the St. Constantine's and Helen Greek Orthodox Church. Right. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> There's a lot of incense and lot of stuff going around, you know. <laughs> and I actually... And it was before video, I'm sure. And I, ha I hadn't been baptized. Okay, oh. so in order to get married in the Greek Orthodox Church, you have to be baptized. And if you've seen the baptismal in the Greek Orthodox Church, it's for a baby. It's about that big around. You weren't fitting. They had me up in that thing. <laughs> Do we have pictures of this? <laughs> no, no, no. And there's olive oil there, and you're slipping all around. <laughs> Your backside's okay. hitting this. Yeah, That's enough. <laughs> yeah, right. So I get the picture. <laughs> yeah. No, you really don't get no, the I picture. Don't, I don't know if I want the picture. No. no, no, uh, no. Well, let's 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 transition while we're talking about baptism. To okay. you mentioned you got you you got saved when you were 27. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about that and circumstances surrounding you coming to know Christ. Well, uh, my wife actually got saved before I did. And um, what I realized, I remember listening to, in a, in a rental car, a Sirius satellite radio. You could pick 56, you know, whatever it is. And I remember my grandmother railing against, in a kind way, against the popular culture of the time. Mm. And I, I said, I'm going to listen to some of these 60s music, you know, and hear, you know, listen to this. I said, you know what? My grandmother was right. If, if you did the stuff that those songs sang about, your life would be a disaster. Yeah. And a, a bunch of things had happened without going into it, but I, I just, I, I, nothing crazy, but I just had said, they're right. They're exactly right. And so that's when I made a commitment. Mm -hmm. yeah. How much, because you said you grew up in a, in a Christian home. Uh, yeah. You had been taught. You had heard the truth. You knew the totally. truth. Totally. So it was just at this point where the Holy Spirit just kind of opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel, right? Well, we would go to camp and my friends would say, you need to go forward, you know? And I had this internal urge, but I said to myself, why would I do this? Because they're no different than I am. Hmm. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, it's, so I just couldn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been here at McGregor? Um, I think 2009. Okay. Yeah. 
So several, several years now. What are some of the roles that you have had and uh, serving here at McGregor? Well, the first thing we did, um, my wife and I are firm believers in being proactive in relationships, okay? You can't sit there and wait for somebody to come up and talk to you. You know, you have to go. Yeah. So I was in, uh, I worked with Lee Coleman with the, the I did parking. These are some of the early things. Yeah. And um, I was involved with a men's group with Bill Camp, who discipled me. Mm. It was an enormous relationship. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even begin to tell you what that was like. Yeah. We went to Dairy Queen every Thursday night for five years. And then, uh, and I don't mean this in a negative way, that, but then Bill said to us one day, Mike Witt was there, a bunch of people, you know, who I, I've spent a lot of time with. He said, you know, you guys, <laughs> we did uh, Experiencing God twice because we were kind of slow. <laughs> we did it and then- uh, the Remedial. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's do it again because we're not sure you got it. But, but anyway, um, so then Bill said, you guys know everything you need to do. Go, do, go lead something, go do something. Yeah. And I say, I think it makes him cringe when I say it. But I told him, I said, he kicked us out, yeah. basically. And um, But it's probably what you needed. Oh, it's totally what I needed. Yeah. And, then, Dan, and then we did, um, when we used to do Thanksgiving dinners, mm -hmm. we did counseling. Mm -hmm. uh, and we would talk to the people. And I remember, I, I remember some interesting things. You know, we, we make uh, a lot of decisions based on what we see. And we don't get below the surface. And I remember this lady came in and for some reason I saw her car and she was driving an Escalade. And I'm going, why is a person driving an Escalade coming to get a free turkey? Hmm. But then when I talked to her, I realized that her, her husband lost his job, she lost her job, they were upside down, really having a tough time. It really made me pause about making a decision about just what you see. Yeah. Then I remember a lady who, um, a grandmother was 80 years old and her grandkids uh, had abandoned their children. And this 80 year old lady was raising seven, eight year old kids. And I'm going, wow, this is really something. Yeah. That was really formative. And then the other thing that happened was that here at McGregor, Dan Allen came up to me and he said, uh, you know, there's a guy here by the name of Terry Hart and he has leukemia, and we need somebody to come alongside him. I didn't know Terry. I had, I'd never seen him before. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to get on my white horse and ride in there and save the day. And that guy, between Bill Camp and, and Terry Hart, I, I was discipled. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. Yeah, Terry's a dear friend, of, was a dear friend of mine oh, for so long. and just I love that guy. Just, I learned so much from him uh, and uh, still to this day miss miss him. Uh, I still talk to Virginia. She's up yeah. north now, you know, but I talked to her, you know. Yeah. It was amazing. Terry Terry had a, had a love for Jesus and lived it out like nobody I've, I don't think I've ever known. Terry, Terry would be sitting in church and if he saw someone who he thought was a visitor, they'd be home at his house for dinner that yep. day. Yep. He, he had every gift I can think of. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a package like that. Yeah. We, uh, after he passed away, uh, sitting around thinking of just, you know, how we might be able to honor him in, in, a, in an ongoing way, we 
came up with a uh, an award that we give every year to one of our adult life group teachers. It's called the Heart of Excellence Award, and it's spelled H-A-R-T <laughs> uh, uh, after him. Good, yeah. uh, and so it is given in his honor every year. And it was neat because those first couple of years, Virginia was still here. And we were able to tell her who got the Heart of Excellence Award that year. And it meant a lot to her as well, I think. To, and she's a sweet lady. To, yes, to that see those sweet, yeah, to see those people that... Uh, but it is, if you if you were to get that, and I know some people that don't know Terry that might receive that award might not understand fully what it means, but for those that do know Terry, uh, they that have received that, it, it meant a lot to them. And I know as the years pass, there'll be fewer people. And this is not about Terry, but what a mutual connection we have with, a, with one of the dearest brothers we'll probably ever know this side of eternity. All right. Well, at the time of this recording, John, you are in the process of being recommended by the elder body to the congregation as a potential elder. And so part of the reason we're doing this podcast, not the only reason, but part of it is so that people can get to know you a little bit better. And they've had a chance to hear a little bit about your testimony, hear a little bit about uh, your family and where you grew up. But now I'd like for you just to share uh, a little bit about the, uh, the call and the desire to be an elder and, and what you think that can potentially be like uh, for John Ruff moving forward at the congregation moves in the affirmative for that. Someone asked me the question in a couple of meetings that I've had so far. They said, why are you pursuing this? And I said, I didn't start pursuing this. Various people said to me, we think you should do this. We're going to recommend your name. And then Wade and um, uh, David uh, Miller said, let's go to lunch. Hmm. So I thought I was in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and so they threw the idea out there. And so um, I said, well, let me, and there's another story about, uh, that's not worth mentioning here, uh, but um, so they gave me things to read and, and a lot of scripture, uh, a great book on elders and what the Bible has to say about it. Mm -hmm. And as I read this, I said, you know, when I view you as a group of elders, you guys are, and I know you're regular people, I know that, but I, I view you as the cream of the crop, okay? Now, you, you, it, I mean, I'm not saying that. I, I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. it's the way I look at it. Um, so I started looking at the material that I was given, and I said to myself, well, you know what? I'm actually doing a lot of the shepherding already. It's kind of built into me. Hmm. I know I told you the story about um, um, we get this attendance thing, mm -hmm. yeah. And so I, you know, I, 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 when I see, and I just, I just did it here again this week. There was someone that hadn't been there for three months. Hmm. Now, how can you be in a life group? And I co-teach a life group with uh, three or four other guys. How can you miss someone for ninety days? So I get right on the phone make contact with them. And I have some other stories like that. And it's just, if I get the urge to call someone and it happens frequently, I do it immediately. Mm. Um, who said it? Blackaby said, delayed obedience is disobedience. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my thought. That's what he said. 
So, well, I would agree with your your thought on on shepherding because I have seen that in you and uh, just your investment in people's lives. Um, and like you said, you had shared with me back several months ago. We had had that life group leader meeting, and uh, we had handed out all the attendance records. And you just went home that day and made the call. You know, in hey, the car or in the car, and <laughs> didn't <even> get home. <laughs> and, and what happened is that person actually said, "I want to come to your house and meet with you." Yeah, Mary and I. Yeah. You know, and it just it just comes out of me. Yeah. You know, I'm a horrible administrator, but I'm a firefighter. Or you know, go blow this up, mm-hmm. but then go back home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go in there and, and so that that's yeah. kind of how. And so I said, y- you know, maybe I should walk through this door. Mm. Um, so that's that's an abbreviated yeah. version of how how that happened and you know when you when you have people that you respect say have you considered this have you considered that and considered that not just one but a handful of people right to say you're wrong might be a mistake yeah you know you you just have to wait and see where it goes and so i've been exploring that and baby moving forward with that yeah yeah yeah. absolutely well i want to take some time now to talk about something that i know you're extremely passionate about and that you've been involved in for quite a long time and uh, it's and i mentioned at the beginning about being involved in in missions uh here in the united states as well as globally and you've been a part of a specific mission organization for over 20 years is that Uh, it's been since oh four oh four so almost we're coming up on yeah It'll be 20 years next uh, next year. Tell us a little bit about uh, the mission organization uh, and kind of the, their overarching goal, purpose uh, that they have. Can I give you a little background about how I got there? Yeah, and it's CWE Missions, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happened, the church that I attended before I came to McGregor, we taught English as a second language to everything from regular people to professionals like doctors. Mm. And it was great. My wife and I were involved. We met Russian people, Brazilian people. It was really, really, really great. We became friends with the people that were there. So the leader said, um, we're going to Slovakia to a kid's camp, and we want you to go and teach English with us to that camp. And I said, okay, I have two conditions. I'd, be, I'd love to go. And there were, te- there were kids, okay? I said, I don't know where teenagers. And I, you know, I'm not a curriculum. You provide our curriculum. So I got there and none of that was there. <laughs> and um, I had these 17, 18 year old kids. Well, what we didn't realize is that if you go to Europe and most parts of the world, now they've had English th- th- from when they were little kids, right. okay? Yeah. So they can, they can read and they can write, but they can't have a conversation. And I have to say that I hated those kids in the first three days. It was terrible. They looked at me, I looked at them. We all wished we were someplace else. <laughs> and then the pastor figured out the conversation thing. That's what we did. So we, we were in the countryside in Slovakia. Summer was beautiful. So we'd take walks and we would talk. And it was great. So they had a, a program and all their relatives brought me presents and gifts. I said, you guys, if you knew what I was thinking seven days ago, <laughs> you'd have brought rotten lemons, you know. <laughs> it, it was really something else. But, but I knew that wasn't going to be for me. That wasn't the right thing. So I was sitting in a missions conference. A guy by the name of Paul Palaio, who's another guy that discipled me in a, in a tremendous way, came and presented their ministry. And the, the bottom line is they started in the mid-90s. And 
they went on a mission trip with their church and said, and Paul owns a huge electrical contracting company in Tampa. And he took people, business people that he knew. And they're going, this is, they're not prepared. This is a waste of our time. We're going to start something. So they started. And what we do, it's all laymen. They only have uh, two full-time people. Everybody else volunteers. And what we do is we go to uh, typically third world countries, although we've done a couple projects in Germany. And if they own the land, then we come in and completely pay for everything, including the labor, finish the project out. And, um, but the goal is not the building. I've been on 80 projects, okay? Wow. I've gone, you know, four times a year, almost every year close to 80, between 70 and 80. Their goal is to send back the volunteers fired up for the local church. It's not to take the place of the local church. And um, it's, it's just an unbelievable, I've met some, I, I have relationships with people, people that I never would have met before. One of my friends in Michigan, I've spent a year of my life with him on projects. Yeah. Everywhere. Do that many projects. Yeah. And we've done everything from in Togo, we did probably all eight of the elementary schools. We did at the Baptist Hospital in, in Palame in Togo, we did the maternity wing. We did a rescue school for girls in the Dominican. Hmm. And I've always taken people with me. That's that's another the, discipleship oh, opportunity. It's the greatest thing. My not all my grandkids, but a lot of them. Um, What's CWE stand for? It used to be Construction for Worldwide Evangelism. But, but now they, they do more than construction, right? No, that's well, they do okay. medical. Yeah, I was looking on their website, medical yeah. and even some yeah. agricultural yeah. stuff. They um, on their board, they have some very very capable people, and uh, the doctor that runs the uh, well, they have two doctors that run that. One was the head of neurology at Tampa General Hospital, and the other guy ran. Con- infectious disease at Moffitt. Hmm. These are checked out. I mean, they, people yeah. really know. So what they do, and I've actually been on, they do evangelism, they do medical, they do dental, and uh, but they present the gospel. Hmm. You can't go through the system. So I went to Bolivia one time with them. Yeah. And, uh, the, and you present the gospel through an interpreter. Mm-hmm. So I've done that, the construction thing. Um, I've met some un- unbelievable people. I've been everywhere, you know, all kinds of places. And, uh, it's, uh, it's just, it, the impact is amazing. Yeah. So in the process of belonging to that, they, we have a devotional theme and, uh, the devotional theme this year is road signs, stop one way caution. And we do a spiritual thing. They have a committee that builds, that builds the, the curriculum for that. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I'm now, for 10 years, I've been a devotion. We call it facilitator. Mm. And at, at the end of every workday, we, you know, have a devotional theme. Right. And people get saved. I mean, it's, it's un- unbelievable. Mm. And um, then COVID came along. And COVID shut us down because at that point, we had only, always, already, always done international. And we were in Paraguay just before COVID and had to come back with the, uh, the Peace Corps because they canceled all the commercial flights. So when that happened, we started to do domestic projects, mm-hmm. kids' camps almost exclusively. 
And one of the things that happened, one of my good friends, Mitchell Lee, was telling me about Whisper Mountain, right. which is near and dear to the people here at McGregor. Yeah. And I'm going, this is a perfect CWE thing. We had never built a frame building. We had never, a lot of things we had never done before. And in 2018 is when we first started talking about it. And then the COVID thing came along. And I want to say 2022, we built their first new building. Mm. And I was able to take people with me who are in my life group and people who have been supporting Marty, Paul, and Patty. For years. For yeah. years. Yeah. And it was... Uh, one of the things that uh, a guy like Marty, he, was, he has a construction background and he's very exact in what he does. Well, and this is not to disparage other volunteer groups, but they bring uh, our volunteers are the lead people are professionals mm -hmm. and then they bring general labor people, which are like myself. Right. And basically in 16 working days, we deliver a completed building. I went to their website and looked at some of those pictures, and yeah, that's pretty nice yeah. what y'all did. Yeah. We, we did a church in, uh, I think, in Nicaragua. I, I don't remember exactly where it was. And they did some demographic studies, and they said, this is where a church needs to go. Hmm. First, I was there the last week. First Sunday, they had 160 people. Wow. Hearing the gospel. First yeah. Sunday. And they have, um, their theology is um, like Baptist. I mean, we, the Southern Baptist Church would be in agreement with CWB's you know how they look at statement things. of faith, and these guys. I mean, when I went there, they're really big on they're in your face about everything important. Mm, yeah, are you? You have accountability. You don't. That's crazy. You you read your Bible every day. You're not. <laughs> are you nuts? Are you sharing the gospel on a regular basis? They basically. <laughs> this sounds crazy, but I'd never shared the. I was 27 years old. Never shared the gospel with a single person. So I'm 55 years old. And I show up there. And Paul, the leader, we're in a big group. He grabs me. He says, do it. Just shoved right me right, like throwing a baby <laughs> in the pool. And Sink or swim. Yeah. That's the way they operated. And that's, I needed that. Mm -hmm. I needed to be shoved into the, yeah. the program, you know, so. Yeah. Well, it definitely, just looking around on their website, the, the focus is on the gospel. In fact, there looks like their statement of their overarching purpose statement is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through construction, medical, and agricultural missions. So yeah. can't get more clear than that. It's, and, these guys are the real deal. Yeah. And, and these guys are all the same board pretty much has been together almost the entire 20 years. And a lot of these guys have had some personal tragedies yeah. in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't bent their faith at all, you know. You know, what's interesting is I do these podcasts as well as just talk to people here in our church, hearing people that are like yourself, that are involved, deep, deep involved, not just, hey, I went on one trip with this group. No, I'm, I'm committed. I, I go every year or multiple times a year. There are a lot of people at McGregor. I mean, that we talk about living missionally here as one of our purpose statement, a part of our purpose statement. And we have more people than we probably realize that are doing that. And that's what I love about this podcast, because now other people are hearing and going, well, maybe I could get involved in something like that. I, I love construction, you know, or medical missions. And so they can go to CWE hyphen missions.org and, and see what's next or look you up and talk to you and say, Hey, when are you going? When's the next time you're going, John, I want to go with you, man. 
Uh, and so hopefully, hopefully just listening to this might encourage someone either to go with you or at least the next time they see a mission trip advertised here at our church, hey, maybe I need to be a part of that. Yeah. And, and you'll get more out of it than anything you do for those people. That, that's always the way it is when yeah. you go on missions. Yeah. We've got uh, two teams leaving next next week and i'm not going to say dates or anything because this who knows when this is coming out but i just know in our time frame right now we've got uh, in this you know certain times of the year more you know the summer and fall are when most of a lot most of our teams go out but there are a lot of other people like yourself that are involved in other missions as well and all for the glory of god all to get the gospel out and just praise god for you john and your desire to to want to do that i know i know you're just it's you're not just being obedient it's yeah. not work for me it's yeah. it's fun <laughs> my wife said are you going to camp yeah that's what she said i love i i, I look forward to every you know being on a mission trip every time it's yeah. just so much it's fun to serve in that capacity and be a part of what god's doing and to see lives changed and my oldest granddaughter just a quick aside I took her there when she was uh, 14 or 15 years old. She's been with me three times. And we, did, we were in Haiti. We did a, a rescue home for girls in the, in the Dominican. Okay. Uh, I forget. Oh, and, and, we, and we were in uh, Bolivia. Hmm. So these missionaries are awesome. So she's with me in Bolivia. And our trips, are, are, they're hard work, actually. We have four Tough days, not to discourage anybody, but it's not a vacation. Right. And then one free day. So she, my granddaughter comes up to me and she goes, you know, you know, the, the, mission, the lady, she wants to know if I can run around with her. I said, absolutely. So she spent five days with Sharon Weeb in Bolivia. They've been there for 30 years mm. in, a, in a, a town that looked nothing like what an experience for your granddaughter. Yeah, Yeah. it was just great. And I could tell you story after story after story after story. It was great. So we could be here all day. Well, you don't, you don't, (laughs) but we're not. No, no. Trust me. We're not. In fact, I think this this might be a good time to wrap up uh, uh, this episode of here at home. And John, thank you so much for being a part of uh, our, our, our here at home podcast community and for being a part of the show today. And as we all folks are watching, listening, be praying for, for you and your involvement in missions, as well as potential for your involvement as a new potential elder here at McGregor. So thanks for joining us. And thank you listeners for being a part of the here at home community. We so appreciate you. And if you're listening and you haven't yet subscribed to this particular podcast, go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead and hit the the like button as well and uh, the share and share it with your friends. Tell everybody about the here at home podcast. And again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you back here in a couple weeks back here at home.